Hey, it's Craig Fisher, host of Inside Talent. In this episode, I speak with Diana Meisenhelter, who is the former head of talent at FedEx Office, and we're going to discuss job searching during the COVID-19 pandemic. This is a great episode for both recruiters and job seekers to understand how to communicate properly through the hiring process during a situation like this, and always, and how to avoid being the ghost in the machine. And I think this is uh, some really valuable stuff. So enjoy. I'm Craig Fisher, and this is Inside Talent, where we take you into the minds behind the scenes and show you some of the coolest tools and best practices of some of the coolest people in the talent industry. This is Craig Fisher. I'm with Diana Meisenhelter, and uh, Diana is going to talk with us today about job searching and candidate experience uh, during the pandemic and COVID-19 episode. And I think it's uh, an interesting story because we've had lots of stories of layoffs and furloughs uh, and more uh, in this environment. And but there are a lot of people that were actually not working when we got into this. And Diana is in that unique position, uh, maybe not so unique to some of you out there. Um, I work with a lot of HR leaders and uh, Dallas HR here and other groups to help people in transition get back to work. And so she and I have some fun and interesting conversations. And she wrote this great article, uh, Lessons Learned from the Other Side, part one. Uh, And you can see it on her Uh, LinkedIn profile. Uh, Diana, why don't you tell us about you and what's been going on? Right. So I have 25 plus years in talent acquisition in many industries and um, leadership. I started as a recruiter all the way up to vice president of talent acquisition. And most recently, I was managing director of talent acquisition for FedEx office uh, based here in um, Plano. And I left FedEx office recently and have been on a, a career search. And um, it's interesting because that's, you'll see on the, the article I wrote that uh, I have experienced some really sad things that we're doing in our profession that has not been very good from a candidate experience uh, and I'm sure we're going to talk more about that. And I think um, I'd like to spend some time about that. And this was prior even to Kobe. And now that we have the virus pandemic happening, there's, um, and I just, you know, when, when Craig and I were talking about a topic, I thought this was one that many of my peers and people looking for work um, and just in general, the top of the candidate experience from the candidate side, and also for being a talent acquisition professional, and my my experiences um, before COVID-19, mm-hmm. um, and then during, and I also do, um, as Craig does, volunteer in our community for job seeking counsel. Um, I volunteer in a lot of opportunities to help people as a subject matter expert on how to find a job. So. We're going to have a conversation about it and lessons learned and kind of my ahas, what I'm seeing with people um, right now and prior to and look forward to it. Thanks, Craig, for having me. 
Uh, I'm glad you're here, and it's interesting. So we, we had a conversation at the last TalentNet conference. Um, Michael Goldberg uh, went on a bit of a rant about employers <laughs> and recruiters ghosting candidates. And um, I think that that problem is exacerbated in this environment. Um, and I think uh, also that the problem's not getting better, even though we've been talking about it now for months uh, and months, and it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And you've experienced some of that, and you've got some good examples that you can share with us. The article that I wrote is really around executive search, so at a director, VP level, um, but it really applies to anybody, right? So I have been in recruiting for a long time, and it's always been a passion of mine, the candidate experience. And there are a lot of people that do it really well. A lot of recruiters, first I'll say, that do it really well. Companies that do it really well. And there are companies and individuals that don't. And this has been a topic probably close to my heart, personally and professionally, for over 20 years. And I can't believe we're still talking about it. It's really as simple as doing to others as you would have them do unto you. But even prior to COVID-19 and, and the 36 million people out of work, um, here's my experience, especially at the senior level, I was really surprised, and especially at a director VP level of talent acquisition where I'm gonna be hiring search firms and engaging them in search, um, that what I was finding is I would go through interviews with very well-known search firms and never hear back, even gotten up to the final candidate and having to ask them whether or not I was a candidate or not um, after they checked references and trying to find out, you know, it's total ghosting. And, and that's just not okay. Not only is it not okay, but it's, um, it's happening more and more than I had any idea. I'm, I'm a member of an executive networking group, and most of the people are, you know, director, VPs, even C-suite folks. And um, the topic it always comes up about the experience they have in the interview process. And I'm the token recruiter in the room, and we have jokes about that because they always take it out on me. But um, I'm with them, and the stories I've heard are just really sad that you would think even at the C-suite level when somebody, a, C a CEO tells someone that's going to, you know, they're going to have them interview with their board because you're his guy and then never hear back and send emails. And, it's you know, the job search process is hard. It's emotionally draining and especially when you get all excited about finally finding the fit, Find, you know, going through and, you know, it takes at least three to six months for anybody at the senior level, probably a year actually, to find a job and then finally go through that. And it's happened across the board at all levels. And I just want to talk about how, how that happens. You know, and I've asked people, um, recruiters, some of my clients, some of my folks that I counsel on, um, looking for jobs, and I think some of it is because of technology, that we think that technology is taking care of follow-ups, and in reality, 
Um, I would rather have a thanks but no thanks email from an ATS than nothing. But if you – and my team and people that worked for me in the past, we had a rule. If you had an interview, you got a call. And it is only common courtesy you'd want it to. And that's just not happening. And uh, um, and what I don't know what's going to happen now post, you know, COVID-19, but the fact that we have so many people out of work, I can only assume it's going to get worse. Yeah, I, you would think that um, employers are stressing candidate experience at this time, right? I mean, we're supposed right. to be uh, cognitive that, you know, um, people's mental health and uh, wellness and all these other things that we're we're preaching on and on about and writing about and talking about is, you know, one of the most important things that we can do anything about, right? I mean, by being supportive. And when the job search process gets to the point where recruiters are just saying, I'm just not going to call that person back in a situation like this, I think it's, um, it's certainly not a best practice. You know, the, the, I'm a member of the, candies uh yeah. Candy, and, right. yeah the candies are great and and some of the research that they've done for the last two years you know it has um all these uh surveyed results of the top things that job seekers uh complain about or need in uh, a job search process and half of the top 10 have to do with simple communication um and so it's the easiest thing in the world to pick up the phone, but I think recruiters and employers should create a journey map and actually go through the process themselves and understand where the high points and the low points are. Generally, the lowest point of a candidate's journey in any job search process with any corporation is after, just after the interview with the manager. Um, and the reason for that is it's, it's all uphill until that point, and that's you're really excited about it, and you get the interview, and then you don't hear anything because the manager's mm -hmm. still interviewing people. And so you get down to this low point because there's no communication. And a simple affirmation that I heard your interview went well, or I heard you, you had your mm -hmm. interview, you know, right. anything like that would be great. But I think you've been in a situation where you got to that point, references checked and then no call at all yeah no call at all um but um i was just disappointed in our profession yeah being a recruiter too i mean i'm a recruiter before i'm anything and all the work we do as recruiters to get to that point where we're excited about a candidate and we forget that the candidate is, is in the same place but they may only have a few, probably more than one, but let's say they just had one, one really good opportunity they're really excited about, especially when there's reload involved and that you have to, you know, pack everything up in your family and move. Right. Um, you know, starting to research what that's going to look like and then never hearing back. And it's not about really, you know, we look at recruiting when we talk about metrics, when we talk about analytics in an aggregate, like what's our average time to fill and what's our uh, source of hire and, and all of the things that we look as organizations. But when it comes right down to it, it's just like the wreck. Mm -hmm. It's just like that 
individual recruiter and how they manage the follow-up and communication with a candidate. So I'm a believer my recruiting strategy has always been, or most recently with technology especially, is the recruiters should focus on relationships with their hiring managers and their candidates, and everything else should be automated. So if we're doing all these great AI technology and great ATS systems that, that are getting better, I'm hoping they're getting better and better. We need to remember the basics. And I do think, and, and I've had several calls during this time, and they are much more empathetic. They pick up the phone. They have time on their hands, so they're not rushed. A lot of this problem is that recruiters have way too much to do. Mm -hmm. And no senior recruiter can manage professional-level jobs, 30 jobs at a time. There's just no way. And even with technology, there's no way to do that. And I, I am hoping now that we've kind of – I'm hoping that this whole place that we're at in our profession now, we have an opportunity to realize that we've overworked our recruiters and our managers. Let's be honest, it's not just recruiters and manager, it's the hiring manager too. We assume the hiring manager staying close, but they're not. And even just a call or an email, hey, I haven't heard back, we're still going through the interview process, you're still a really strong candidate, means the world to someone looking for a job. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. does. Um, and I feel like, um, you know, I wanna be uh, disappointed in our industry when I hear things like that, um, yep. because everybody I talk to, like us, hear it, and we're disappointed because we've done so much and talked about it for so long. Right. But it was at the end of the day, if you have the volume of work we have, I get it, but it's still not okay. You know. Right? So I work for an RPO, and our bread and butter is good recruitment process. I mean, that's what RPO stands for, right? Recruitment process right. outsourcing, and so. We stress so much on those basics. It's not just uh, candidate experience, it's hiring manager experience, it's um, you know customer experience. Um, and the candidate is a big part of that whole thing. We know for a fact that candidates will go straight to Glassdoor and judge us, right? right? And um, other review sites, and they will tell their friends, and it's a small world. Um, mm -hmm what do recruiters think is going to happen? Because there's every chance in the world that you will be in charge of a talent acquisition team at some point in the near future that that recruiter might want to work for, right? So it's it all yeah, comes back around, right? right? Right, it does. And let's be honest, this is a small community. We know each other, That's right. right? We all know pretty much. And if we don't know each other, make sure you link in with me, by the way. Um, <laughs> is we all know better and we just need to snap out of it, right? We just right. need to realize that these are real people, real individuals, and and do the right thing. And just remember if you're overworked and you, you just don't even have time to do get back to the basics, then you need to stand up for yourself too and say, hey, right. I call uncle. I, I know, I, you know, we all, we already know that you know tipping point what they say 30 anything over 30 wrecks is a yeah. flag and that the quality of hire the quality of the candidate experience goes down all right we'll start there if you have more than 30 wrecks 
Um, I doubt you have that issue right now, but when we all kick back in and going full force, we will. Yeah. And, and as talent acquisition leaders, we also have, I know I have, we've done more plus. And when we had turnover, we didn't replace individuals mm -hmm. uh, because we were saving money and for lots of reasons. And throughout my career, that's part of our job leading how you do more plus, right? But it's time now to think about doing recruiting the right way, using technology and still re remembering that we got into help, into recruiting most of us, I hope, um, to help people yeah. and to to make a difference. I mean, I always talk about um, helping companies and individuals find opportunities of lifetime is what I do. And all the other stuff, yeah, I can do all the technology and metrics and, um, you know, all the things that sourcing and all the things we talk, all the buzzwords, but when it comes right down to it, that's what we do. So how do we how do we take our eye off of this, and we still aren't doing the basics? So uh, I have to ask: Did you uh, tag the uh, recruiter who ghosted you or the recruiter's manager when you posted your article on LinkedIn? I I did not. I was really respectful mm -hmm. um, because I uh, I. I understand, but I know one specific recruiter that I was talking about um, knows I'm not happy about that. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna to do that. That's not what I do. Hey, I might need Ben someday too. I right. love executive search, and I'm not just talking about executive search here. I'm talking about executive recruiters, mm -hmm. and I'm talking about in-house recruiters and external recruiters. Right, so. It is, I, I am not going to out anybody, and I won't, because um, there are so many good recruiters out there. I mean, I, I should talk about the good stuff, too. Anyway, right. I think of that, that article I wrote, I also talked about the good stuff. There are really good recruiters that I have a lot of respect for. But when I um, need another, another recruiter, I'm going to be honest, um, internally, I have, I have lots of opportunities going. Uh, I will call the recruiters I know that do it to do the right thing and have a little bit of a servant mentality. Mm -hmm. And the executive search, it's not about the firm, it's about the executive search consultant. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. I follow the consultant, not the firm. And I know, um, and we all know the good ones, and we all know ones that maybe we wouldn't use. And um, I encourage everyone to find good ones and use them throughout your career as a talent acquisition leader and also as a job seeker because those individuals are subject matter experts and really good at what they do. I just wanted to remind everyone that it's not, that we can do better. And I can't believe we're still talking about this after all these years of new technologies and resources and training awards. The candidate awards are awesome. Right. Word of mouth. Um, word of mouth is, you know, even when you're looking, as you're looking for a job, is the networking is the number one source of hire. That's how you're going to find a job. Right. Right. And so it's the same thing of who do you use um, and what companies do it right and what recruiters are passionate 
recruiters that haven't forgotten why they got into this profession, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's really that simple. I I just put some words around it. I appreciate that you enjoyed my words. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get back into blogging. I haven't finished part two yet. My next mm-hmm. part two is going to be how many people do you really need to interview a candidate to make a decision? Mm-hmm. Because that's the next thing I'm seeing is Sometimes it's not a consensus. I know it's all about culture and what you've done and, you know, so forth. But as a leader, you need to make that choice. And having a candidate go to eight, call out on their job for eight dentist appointments is not okay, too, right? It is hard for candidates, and you're going to have a lot of people to pick from. And I don't think that this is also a time for companies to reevaluate the selection process. You know, it's funny. I I go back and forth on this. I so there's a lot of research and writing about consensus interviews and that you know, that's the only way to uh, get the right hire, get a fair hire or you know, whatever. I I don't believe that at all. I still think uh, favoritism comes into it with uh, group and consensus mm-hmm. interviews. Um, and I think that there are a lot of inherent problems there. I think it can be done well. Um, but yeah, you do waste a lot of people's time sometimes in this process for not very good reason. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of candidate assessment. And I'm going to assume because a lot of companies are going away from them because they became a deterrent. I know we, we did in some of my companies that I work for because it became less of a uh, um, a tool and more of a det- of a, a block to hire candidates. Mm-hmm. This is a long story there. We could talk about candidate assessments. Um, and we had implemented it because we had too many candidates during the recession, and now we didn't have enough, right? Now with, you know, post-COVID, I'm going to guess that the candidate assessment has become even more important and because we're going to have to weed out versus weed in mm-hmm. that we have done in the past. That's another topic that as professionals we need to talk about um, and what assessments are out there and what's right because not every assessment right for every company or every job. Right. And I think we're going to see a increase in candidate assessments and I think that becomes that technology thing again where we're not talking and touching and, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Having that communication with a candidate, as much as I'm a big fan of a really good interviewer and a really good interview selection process, it still comes down to you interviewing me and having a connection and a fit that it fits in the company and that role. And that won't go away I hope and I hope it doesn't become you know apply for a job take an assessment and I know their companies you know who they are from so name them by name and if you pass the assessment you get hired that mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's not okay we need to be connected <clears throat> and having more than technology makes those decisions yeah, I agree. Um, it, if you take the human element out of it, you take empathy away and you take. Um, so I'm also a big fan of um, 
gut reactions, uh, to be real honest. So you can't, you can't program that, right? And if you know what you're doing, you know the job well enough, uh, you know your organization well enough, you can tell when somebody's going to be a great fit. You know it right away, right? Um, if you're a good interviewer, if you, if you know what you're doing. Um, a lot of recruiters these days don't, uh, unfortunately, know what they're doing. But there, there are plenty who do. Uh, so there's still some good to that. But the assessment, I, I agree, we do now, we make it too easy to apply. Um, and so we have, we don't have a recruiting problem, right? I mean, we can find people and we can recruit people and we regularly hire people. We're not fixing anything, right? It's not broken. Um, what we do have though is a communication problem. There are some that are broken. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a communication problem, right? It's not, well, it's, not some, I mean, it's not a source problem. As a consultant in, in helping companies with, um, let's say, improving their internal recruiting process, I have come across companies where it is broken. Mm -hmm. And I've come across companies and just little parts and pieces that, that could be better. But right. I think generally we are way beyond the days when I started in recruiting and we used, you know, yellow pages and Rolodex and faxes, mm -hmm. those types of things, right? I mean, think about how inefficient that is. And newspaper ads. Where we are. And newspaper <laughs> ads, oh my goodness. Oh, I forgot the Dallas Morning News, right? That's right, full page. That's how ad. I got to Dallas was a newspaper ad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, I used to spend a lot of time on point. those, right? Uh, I bet you, that's right. Matrix but resources. The employment brand, the employment brand Shout is going to become even more important in my opinion, mm -hmm. I know we're not kind of talking about um, some of this on this call, but in my opinion, the employment brand is going to become even more important on how you handled your team members, your employees during this time. Agreed. And and if you've done a really good job of it, you should be using social media. And I think there's some really good companies, and I know you work with a lot of those that are sending out those messages mm -hmm. and the ones that haven't done a good job back to a little bit of the surveys like candies or, or even um, I bet so there's going to be a list out there if not already already I haven't looked um, about how what companies are doing it really well and taking care of their employees mm -hmm. during this time meaning you set up a call individually let them know that they've been furloughed or right. laid off etc or the bad ones, and I have several of individuals that I'm coaching right now that got emails that they were being laid off, mm -hmm. right? So there's another part to kind of reevaluate as job seekers and employers of how we we need to think about the job search process and finding the right candidates at the right time right that really still matters but putting some time that we have right now into reevaluating what's important that's right and that uh, letting people know in person that they've been furloughed or let go or whatever is almost the same just um, lack of respect that ghosting a candidate is when they're far into the interview process Right. It's the it's the um, it's the being afraid to pick up the phone and face reality and and do the 
the human thing and do the respectful thing and give someone an in-person answer about that. Um, you know, Craig, let's go back to your comment you said a minute ago around recruiters don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. The do it is very much um, a really good call out, I, I would say, maybe even another topic sometime around how to hire recruiters that have the competencies that we need today, right? Mm -hmm. And old school, you know, we need critical thinking. We need um, change management. We need we need some some servant empathy, um, caring for people. But you're not just there to make the money, right? You're there to make a difference to the company and to the to the individual. There's some competencies um, that we need to upskill, and we need to, as a profession, make sure we're hiring those recruiters that fit our culture. We forget sometimes not everybody is a good recruiter. That's right. Um, they, just because, let's be honest, in our profession, my whole profession, hey, they couldn't do something in the field or they couldn't do something in another department. Let's just have them go into recruiting. Or they're a new grad. Let's put them in recruiting, right? I think we've done a better job as a profession. A lot of companies and leaders have already figured this out, but there's some out there. Is Recruiters are, are passionate salespeople. That's right. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's what a good recruiter looks like. You can call it whatever you want. They're a passionate salesperson. And um, again, let's reevaluate who, who you have on your team and who you want on your team. And do they fit what your expectations are in helping identify internal and external talent and what feedback you get, I mean, candidate surveys, hearing from candidates what they think, you know, how a specific experience was, was for them. In fact, in, previously I've used that in PA and in um, coaching and counseling for the recruiting team. I think that that's really powerful and not used as often as I would like to see. Yeah, it's why I like the candies. They give you really good data, and you really do understand your process better. But I want to touch on something you said a minute ago. Not everybody is a good recruiter. And it's interesting when someone from another department says, hey, I think this person would be good in recruiting. Would you just hire a salesperson based on that? I don't think you would, right? I mean, there's a lot of money involved in making a hire like that. Uh, mm -hmm. And you should be asking recruiters several things, right? If if someone's just referred as I think they'd be good in recruiting, well, you still have to ask them the same things you would ask an experienced recruiter. Go through this sourcing exercise with me. I'm a manager and I've got a job. Do the intake meeting with me right now. Let's do that, right? Do a rejection, please. I'm not the right candidate. Tell me what happened, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's do that. Go through that exercise. And if you can't do all those things, you're not on my team. That's just the way it is. There have to mm -hmm. be some... And a good recruiter, if you ask them to do the rejection, a good recruiter will say, hi, Diana or Craig, um, it's Craig. And I'm just, you know, gonna let you know that it's not a fit this time. I'm sorry, um, I don't have more information for you, but uh, we, you know, we hope that you'll stay a fan of the brand and keep in touch with us and that's it. 
and and they'll shut up and that's all it really takes you know but yeah but i would like to just say maybe we need to be less concerned about liability and telling the world truth why they didn't get the job i know we don't do it because we, we don't, don't do want to it. go into the coaching we don't want to explain how they didn't do it great interview and and or you're on the phone doing especially internal candidates right then you're doing coaching right but well a, a, a good executive consultant will yeah. tell you that stuff right but yeah you don't get that from an employer you just don't right it's it's not a, i know it's not but a, i still there are companies that do that like, whoa i'm surprised right. but good for you right yeah and it would be nice that'd be a breath, breath of fresh air if companies really yeah. would do that uh you know when you're an agency recruiter you tell people take a shower and shine your shoes and, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> do these basic things and, uh, yeah. and I'll get you a job. Uh, yeah. but you know, at the em employer level, it just doesn't happen. So I, I don't think we're, I don't know. I don't know if we're close to being that transparent. I wish we were. All right. Well, Diana, this has been fascinating as always. Hey, Craig, you didn't say anything about my cowboy shirt. Oh yes. Let's talk about this. You got a cool <laughs> shirt and it looks Thank fancy. You. It looks fancy. It is fancy. It's my favorite designer, and I got a deal on it because who wears a designer cowboy shirt unless you're living in Dallas, Texas? That's right. Super cool. I mean, yeah. you might be able to pull that off in Santa Fe as well. Oh, yeah. Probably a couple places I could probably do it, but it, it it's fun. I just, you know, thought it would be something different because I know on these, uh, everybody's on some type of, a, you know, uh, virtual call these days just to shake it up a little bit. I like it. I like it a lot. So hopefully we can see each other in person soon. Uh, I think yeah. we're getting close. Uh, and uh, you know, as always, uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I think we should do this uh, some more as this job market evolves uh, into a sort of a post COVID thing. Uh, and uh, so maybe we'll pick up after part two is written. Yeah, I really appreciate you reaching out to me, Craig. It's always been great um, kindred spirits, so to speak, right? That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Inside Talent. Learn more about the future of talent today at InsideTalent.org, where you can sign up for regular updates and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app.